0: ago, thousands of individuals came together for a specific conference. It was upon leadership and business. And the question was posed to them there in that very first session. As they heard from political leaders and business leaders, this question was posed to them. What if tomorrow you find out that a long lost relative left you $10 million in his will? $10 million The question is, would you go to work the very next day? To which there was a resounding no. Absolutely. Most of those individuals there that were thinking about their work and their job, they said to themselves, if I had $10 million today, there is no way I would go back to my job tomorrow. And it bears out really the statistics of surveys that say that Roughly 80% of people hate their jobs. 80% of individuals, men and women, hate their jobs. And yet, somehow, if you read the scripture, you see how God speaks about us demonstrating our testimony, des- demonstrating the gospel through our work. I want you to take your Bible today and I want you to turn it to Colossians or as my professor used to say Colossians chapter 3 and I want you to look this day as we think about this work as worship I want to draw your attention to Paul's words as he speaks to those who find themselves working in the household and they are having to submit themselves to individuals that are over them I think Paul gives us some word about how we are to use our work as worship and to have the right perspective. Because it all comes down to perspective, doesn't it? The way we view our work and our lives. Notice what Paul says here in Colossians chapter 3. He's speaking to the household, the Christian household, and how they should relate to one another. And as he speaks to this, he speaks to the servants who are part of that household. And he says to them in verse 22, Bondservants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily, as to the Lord and not to men knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. But he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, give your bondservants what is just and fair, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. In this passage, Paul, I believe, sets forth some Theological truths of what we are to be about in our work. It really gives us the right perspective of how we are to work wherever we are. I want to give you these truths today. I hope you'll write them down in the few minutes that we have this morning. And I hope that they will impress you as you think about them in the days to come. I, I pray that they will motivate you to glorify God in your work. First of all, I want to give you this this morning. We are called. By God to our work. We are called by God to our work. I want you to notice what Paul says. Paul says, and whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord. You're doing it as to the Lord. Almost the sense that the Lord is the one who has called you at this point. He is the one that you're going to answer to, obviously. There is a calling that comes from God. We are called to work, The work. Now, most of us, when we think about a calling, we think about ministers, right? A minister who is called to preach or to pastor, that's usually the way we talk about callings, especially in our Baptist circles, our Baptist church. We, we think if somebody's been called, we're talking about a call to the full-time vocational ministry in a church. It's usually what we're talking about. And usually we elevate those calls. You'll you'll even hear people say, can you imagine that they left their job and their family and they have been called to vocational ministry? They're called to pastor or they're called to preach. And we're amazed by that. And it's great that God does issue specific calls. And listen, I know that when God spoke to me that he called me to preach and to pastor i believe that but don't you also believe that god speaks to those outside of the quote ministerial roles don't you believe that god has a purpose for individuals that find themselves working in each and every profession in our community don't you believe that say amen at least Somehow, God has placed a calling upon our lives. Here he is speaking to servants of the household and he is saying to them that you're to do what you're going to do, whatever it is, as to the Lord. There's a sense of calling that is there. Actually, if you look at the word vocation, you will find that it comes from the root, a Latin root, which means to summons or to call. Vocation. Your vocation is a calling. I like to think of it like this. Your vocation is the calling for a lifetime. But your occupation is the opportunity for the moment. Now, get what I'm trying to say here. Your vocation, your calling, basically whatever you're called to do, it, it rarely changes in life. I mean, the general calling that you have. Now, yes, yes. Jesus called us to follow him, to be saved, to uh, disciple individuals, and then as it works out a little more specific into our life, it may be in the place of nurturing or helping or it may be in service itself. That general calling does not fade away. That calling is there. But as some of you know, in different moments of your life, in different occupations, different jobs at the moment, it may look... A little differently it may sh- demonstrate itself differently in your 20s as opposed to your 60s whatever god has called you to that opportunity for the moment he has called you to demonstrate his grace and his glory and his good news to the community and to those you are involved with Certainly, God has a calling upon your life and he has a calling upon my life. He has called us to work. He has called us to our work. And that must be the perspective we come to, that God has called us and we have a calling in our lives and that we work. That informs us, right? That gives us a little different perspective. And even as we approach retirement, Some of you I know in this place are retired, but you still work, right? I thought I'd get a lot of amens on that one. (laughs) You absolutely work. I hear people all the time say, I don't even know how how I had the time to work before retirement now that it has come. You know, God has called us, no matter where we are in our lives, whatever station, whatever occupation, whatever opportunity, he still has a calling upon our lives. And maybe our work looks a little different, but the calling is still there. And again, for those who have technically retired, we recognize that retirement plus nothing to do equals what? Death certificate, right? Yes, because God has not called you simply to stop. As a matter of fact, I would say to you this morning, as we look at this idea of work and some of you, uh, some of you begin to try to think about your retirement years and some of you are there right now. I would say to you that God has given you an opportunity to do some awesome and great things for the kingdom of God. He has given you some moments to make a difference and many of you, you are doing that that exact thing right now. You're taking advantage the calling. It is a calling. He says that you are going whatever you do, you're going to do it heartily as to the Lord, as though you have been called by him because get this, God himself is a God who works and a God who invites us to join in his work. Now, isn't this amazing when you look at Genesis and you begin to read those first few pages of God's revelation to us. We see God Working, creating. We see him for six days, he creates. And then on the seventh day, he rests. And what does he do with Adam? He brings Adam and he says, Adam, I want you to basically join me in this work. He gave Adam a job. He said, I want you to go and tend the garden that I've created. Basically, that's what Adam said or what God said to Adam. Dr. Bain, my old professor up at Blue Mountain College, used to always call Adam the garden, the gardener, or the garden tender. Now, for those of us in North Mississippi and our agricultural background, we understood about taking care of the garden. It meant that you worked. It meant that you gave care and attention to certain aspects of that garden. And Adam was to be the gardener, even before the curse. Okay, some of you think, well, it did, well, didn't work come into the existence after the curse? No. Adam had a role. He had a calling before the curse. Now, yes. Did work become harder? Absolutely. Didn't sin impact everything? Did our fallenness have something to do now with our work and who? Yes. But don't miss the point that God's plan was for Adam to have a role, to work, to have a calling. And God has continued to call people. He has continued to call us to join him in this work. So first, God calls us to our work. Then I want you to see the second truth, and that is this. God directs us in our work. He calls us to our work. And then he directs us in our work. To put it plainly, this means God is our boss. God is our boss. He is over us all, and he has called us, and now he has the right to direct us. He has the right to be our boss. And it does matter who your boss is, doesn't it? Yesterday, last night, I was watching... This thing that's going on around the country, uh, they take these little balls and they try to get them. At, you, have you been watching any of that, some of you? My family and I, uh, we actually do little brackets on ESPN. And it's really sad when your children are beating you in your bracket. God knows how to humble you before you get in behind a pulpit, pitch, you know. But last night as I was watching, one of the players came out and and he said something very significant. He said, I want to play for this guy. And he looked at his coach and he pointed toward him. He said, I want to play for him. I was sitting there thinking, it makes a difference who the coach is. It makes a difference who the boss is. It motivates us when we know that we are working for a certain individual. And here, Paul reminds, he reminds these folks that are part of the church, he reminds them that God is the boss. Notice he said to bond servants, verse 22, Obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. Yes, you've got earthly bosses, he says, but understand what you are doing. You are doing out of a reverence, out of a obedience to God. Again, you're doing it to the Lord. He says this not only to the bond servants, but he says it also to the masters. In other words, not only are employees governed by the God of heaven, but so are employers. Both individuals, both categories of individuals must submit themselves to the lordship of Christ. Chapter 4, verse 1. I love the way Paul does this as he's writing under the inspiration of the Spirit. He says, Masters, give your bondservants what is just and fair, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Now, chapter 4, verse 1, that word masters is the same word for Lord. In the original language, of course, you've heard the Greek word is kurios. All throughout here, Throughout this passage, Paul uses the word kurios. And most of the time to speak to Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ or the Lord Christ. But here, notice if you were to take that same terminology and you were to use it consistently, it would say in chapter 4, verse 1, lords, lords, those of you who consider yourself lords, masters. He says, know that you also have a lord in Heaven and actually, in the original language, there's the emphasis: you yourselves know this: that you have a Lord in heaven. So get this: whether you're an employee or you're an employer, what he says basically is that there is a Lord that is above everybody else, a master, an employer, a boss who is above everyone else and he is the one ultimately that is directing you that is guiding you and that you should be answering to now again this affects our work purpose and our work product work purpose well if god is my boss who am i ultimately hoping to please him right now, I know you want to please earthly ones and you want to get good evaluations and all of that. But understand, ultimately in our lives, our work is to glorify God. That's our purpose. That eternal purpose, that makes a difference. That, that makes me say to myself, okay, if I get $10 million tomorrow from one of my long-lost relatives that passed away... I will take the $10 million. I didn't say I wouldn't, okay? I would make the necessary arrangements, but I'd still want to work because my purpose is to glorify God and to serve Him. I'll tell you this if I, I'm going on record, okay? You got it videoed. If I get $10 million tomorrow, I'm still going to be the pastor at Temple Baptist Church. I kind of like this gig. I kind of like what I'm... You know why? Because I'm called to do what I'm called to do. And if I'm not fulfilling my call and not glorifying God as I should, I will feel meaningless and purposeless in life. God is the one who directs. And it affects our work purpose john stott the great theologian that he was and preacher if you ever get to read any of john stott's books you ought to just delve into them and devour them but basically the way he defined work he defined it as the expenditure of energy manual or mental or both in the service of others which which fulfills the life of the worker benefits the community itself and glorifies God. Now think about that. The expenditure of energy, whether it's manual or mental, in the service of other people, which brings fulfillment to the worker, to the person who's doing it, it brings benefit to the community of believers and it glorifies God in the process. God wants us to work with that type of purpose. Whatever we're doing, wherever we are, that transforms us. So it's not just the preacher or the minister who's sharing to glorify God. The professor in his life, the teacher in her life, they are trying to determine what they are to do in order to glorify God. How can they use their opportunity for the moment? To glorify God. The doctor, the pharmacist, they don't just give out pills, but they talk about how God will use them to minister to these patients and to glorify God through their lives. The truck driver, the house cleaner, the lawyer, the housewife, each one will think about how God wants to be glorified through their activities, through their lives. God is the one who directs. It affects our work purpose, and it certainly affects our work product, doesn't it? Our work product. If we're making something for God that's going to glorify him, we want to do the best that we can. Here he says to do it heartily. Literally, it means to do it out of your soul. In other words, what you are doing, you are putting your whole being into, your, your soul, your life, your efforts. You're putting everything that you have to work for the Lord. Because what you produce should reflect His craftsmanship and His excellence in everything that you and I do. The excellence of Christ Should be seen. It is the work product. Truett Cathy, of course, with the family that basically founded Chick Fil A. Truett Cathy used to say that you ought to save ten percent, you ought to give ten percent, and you ought to work ten percent harder than everybody else. That's what he would say. Work harder. I've I've said this before from the pulpit. I say this again. That Christians, believers, ought to be the best employees that a business would have. Believers should work hard. They should demonstrate honesty and they should demonstrate ethics in their lives. They should be individuals that can be counted upon. Why? Because we reflect the image of Christ. We reflect the image of Christ. And that testimony is seen. And that testimony goes forth. Not to glorify you or to glorify myself. But to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. Our work purpose and our work product. To glorify. To bring forth excellence. In everything that we do. So God directs us in our work. I want to say this finally. God rewards us for our work. I know for us as Baptists, and especially for this preacher who stands here, most of the time we like to be careful about how much emphasis we place upon work or works themselves. Uh, we We like to talk about grace, and I do too. And grace is the way of salvation. It is only through grace. We know that. Through faith in Jesus Christ, that's the only way an individual can be saved. But after we come to salvation, what does he do? He motivates works within us. I mean, that grace and that faith motivates us to be about the works of life. And somehow, in some mysterious way, even as you look at the Scripture, God promises reward. In this passage, he said, knowing that from the Lord, you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Jesus Christ, or you serve the Lord Christ. He said, you're going to get a reward in some way. Now, if you work, you get a reward in economic benefits here on earth, right? Most of the time. And that's okay, isn't it? Please say it's okay. I want to get a check next week. (laughs) I mean, it's fine. That's Actually, it's the design that God has. If you look at Paul and other scriptures, he talks about how you work in order to provide. It's fine to do that. I mean, it's, it's, I think, God's design. You work, you provide. But it should go beyond earthly benefits, shouldn't it? I mean, I want a paycheck, but I don't want to work just for a paycheck. I hope there's some eternal benefit in this. And I'm not talking about retirement benefit. Think how sad it is for a 26-year-old who begins to work and says, I am living for retirement. How sad is that? That that would be the goal or it's just earthly benefits. What Jesus says... as as he uses Paul here to speak, is he says that there is a reward of the inheritance. That there's some type of eternal benefits to what you are doing. And you will reap eternally. I think part of that must be the eternal benefits that we invest in other individuals. Again, I think it was Martin Luther who said that a vocation is the calling to love your neighbor. To love your neighbor. William Perkins later said that it was through your vocation or through your work that you were able to truly demonstrate the service to God by serving other individuals, loving other individuals. Remember the great command, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Well, you're to love him, glorify him because he's the boss. And then to love your neighbor as yourself. Somehow through your work and through what God has called you to be about, there should always be the question of how am I loving my neighbor? Again, it does transform our thoughts, right? So as a banker, I'm not just taking care of this money or so. I'm investing... Again, as a teacher, how can I invest in these younger people as they come up? How can I demonstrate God's love to them? How can I... It is the work that God has called us to. And there is some type of eternal benefits. Again, I know some of you look at me and say, Well, Reggie, I I know that's great for you because you're a preacher again and people are saved and people are... um, uh, people may come to you with issues and all of that, and uh, I got I got you, I got you, and you've got eternal benefits and all that. But again, uh, you're talking to me now. You're talking to me. What do you mean in my life? Don't you know that God has placed you in such a position? Evangelism is not for the professional. Witnessing is for every believer, wherever you are. And there are individuals in your workplace and in your family That I will never come in contact with, or perhaps no other preacher will ever come in contact with. But your witness, your witness of excellence, of character, of the good news of Christ could make a difference. It will make a difference for eternity. You have opportunities to counsel people yourselves. How many of you in this place, you've had somebody come to you on your in the workplace and talk to you about their marriage perhaps or talk to you about the seriousness of an illness that a loved one is facing. In those moments, the hope of Christ should shine forth through you and through me to testify of his love and his grace and his salvation and his power. And it doesn't matter who we are or where we are, ask Joseph. Remember Joseph there in the book of Genesis? Joseph, sibling rivalry at its best or worst, as they basically sell him into slavery, he goes and he works for Potiphar. What does he do? Before you know it, he's excelled. He's demonstrated character. Even even when it would cost him his position, he demonstrated integrity. The testimony of God. Then he's in jail. Well, look, if we were in jail, basically, we would say, What in the world are we doing here? What are you talking about excellence in jail in prison? And then excellence is demonstrated again. And before you know it, God has used him over and over, even in Pharaoh's court, to demonstrate the glory and the majesty of the God above. And my friends, wherever you are, wherever you are, may you recognize the calling of God upon your life, that he has called you. May you recognize that he is the one who is directing and guiding and leading because he is your ultimate boss. And may whatever you do, whatever you do, you do it for the glory of God and not just for earthly benefits but for the eternal benefit of what Christ Jesus can accomplish in an individual's life. My friends, this morning as we come together in this place, as we just begin our conversation this day of who we are and how our work is fashioned, may this be a day where we commit to live our lives and give our work for the honor and the praise and the glory of Christ. May that be our prayer. And may God challenge you right now in your life, wherever you are, to dedicate yourself, to commit yourself, to extend the gospel of Christ in your family and especially in your workplace as God empowers you. Let's pray. Father, we bless your name this morning. And God, oh God, the power that you could unleash from this place through an army of believers and individuals who live in a distinctly Christian way in their own professions. Thank you for the faithfulness you have already demonstrated in so many in this place and the witness that you give them. But God, I pray that in the coming days... Lord, that you would just multiply the ministry. That you would magnify your name. And that we would see people come to salvation and life. That we would see people, even in the workplace, have conversations about the good news of Christ. Now, Lord, we love you this day and we commit ourselves to you to do these things with excellence. To work harder than we ever have before. But not for our own glory Lord rather for yours we pray it now in Jesus name